Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Firetime Podcast. Well, hey, if you have been listening to this in real time, you know that for the last number of weeks, we have been doing Firetime Magazine rapid reaction episodes where we listen together to an audio article from the Firetime Magazine, and then I hit record and give you my immediate rapid reaction to it. And this has been a really, really cool way to keep putting out content through the podcast every week as we prepare for our upcoming season. And we'll have some really, really cool announcements next week when we start season 10. And I'm going to save it for then to let you know specifically what we'll be doing. But man, there has been such a need for us to take control of our sales processes, of our sales management, and we are going to be diving really, really deep over the coming weeks to help you with that. But for today, before we get started, one final time, I need to plug the two major things that we have happening at the HPB Expo in Louisville. The first is our Firetime edX event on Saturday night, March 11th. And this is going to run from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. It's 100% free. We rented out the Bomb Hard Theater in downtown Louisville, and we have a night of TED Talks. There's going to be three TED Talks that are going to cover the past, the present, and the future of our industry. And it's going to be myself, Grant Falco, and Brandy Biswell who are giving these. And I'm telling you, this is something that you don't want to miss. I mentioned in last week's episode that I got away for a writing retreat to really think about what needs to be said to our industry, and I hope that you can be there for it. Now, the event's totally free, but the theater does have limited capacity for seating, so we ask that you pre-register ahead of time, and you can do that by going to itsfiretime.com slash ed. X. The second thing to talk about is our Firetime Network edX challenge, which is a QR code scavenger hunt that we are putting on at the HPB Expo in Louisville, Kentucky. And I went through the prizes on last week's episode, but we're giving away a ton of stuff. Like I got to look up the value of this, but it's for sure over $5,000 in prizes. It includes cash, it includes Firetime Network digital workshops, FTN journals, socks, and it's going to be really, really cool. So basically to sign up for this, you just go to itsfiretime.com slash challenge and you can register for free and you will be sent the first QR code. Now, what's going to happen is you go to the trade show is you can use our expo guide to see all of our different challenges and every challenge that you complete will give you a QR code to scan and that will assign points to your profile and will announce the winners during our Firetime Network edX event on Saturday night. So these are really, really cool things that we've never done before and we're just trying to figure out how can we continue to grow community and honestly just capitalize on the momentum that we built last year with our happy hour and podcast meetup and we think that this year will be really, really special doing this. So with that said, let's jump into to today's rapid reaction. We're going to listen to an audio article that came out in October of 2022 by Kevin Owens, and it's called Navigating the Post-COVID Market. Now, this is a really cool article, and actually, I got a lot of feedback on this one from different people 
after it came out just saying like, man, this really, really speaks to what we have been going through. And so I'm excited. I haven't listened to it for a couple of months and I got my notepad. I got my pen in front of me. I'm about to flip the article on, listen to it alongside of you. Then I will share my rapid reaction. Navigating the post-COVID market by Kevin Owens. As we're emerging from COVID, most of us, whether we're manufacturers, distributors, or retailers, can feel the market changing. And we can also sense that we need to adapt. But how exactly has the market changed? And how should our specific industry adapt? Let's answer the former question first by considering the current market. Gone, perhaps forever, are the days of large shopping malls, thriving Main Street stores, and qualified employees ready to staff them. Instead, we have minor manufacturers being acquired by PE firms, smaller footprint stores with a self-service approach to selling, and more businesses using the buy and sell direct models that exploded during COVID. Uncertainty of stock has led to huge overbuys, and retailers of all sizes are flush with inventory. Meanwhile, the consumers who were purchasing outdoor and home products in droves while they were stuck at home now have spring fever, and they're making up for it with major trips, family vacations, and other experiences that they lost due to COVID. Money is also tighter, as inflation continues to eat up discretionary spending. In addition, help is difficult to find at affordable rates, and many of our employees have retrained to find new jobs that offer a better work-life balance. To cap it all off, our industry faces several specific challenges. On the harsh side, we have new regulations on our wood-burning products and higher fuel prices for our gas-burning appliances. On the patio side, we have better margins due to direct container importing by independent retailers, but we also have high warehousing costs and greater uncertainty about container charges and flow. Given all these economic changes, how should our industry adapt? We must understand what the market is telling us, anticipate where it's going, and decide how to move forward. One way to understand what the market's telling us and anticipate where it's going is to look at the recent past. In the years preceding COVID, many non-service manufacturers were moving more and more to the dealer direct approach, bypassing the two-step distribution model that had previously been the bridge between manufacturers and retailers in our industry. During those years, we all heard the same refrain repeatedly, margin, margin, margin. But post-COVID, the market is telling us that we actually need the old distribution bridge to survive. After all, when we anticipate where the market is going, it's clear that we need inventory close. But it's also clear that our retailers can't afford to hold it in their warehouses or make poor predictions. Our manufacturers also can't wait to make more products until our retailers run out and reorder. Moreover, our consumers can't wait on heat or fuel, and they won't wait on seasonal products. Meanwhile, big box stores are overflowing with stock, so they'll get their excess COVID inventory in check by offering deep discounts this holiday season. All of this begs a final question. How should we move forward? For starters, we need to work together to control our collective inventory levels. This means that we need to utilize our distributors for stocking. It also means that our manufacturers need to consolidate their offerings and give us more of the best and less of the new, at least until the market stabilizes. It further means that our retailers need to accept slightly smaller margins as we solve the problem. Otherwise, our products will all get sold through big box stores and internet opportunists. And finally, it means that we need to be smarter about advertising our products and using our co-op dollars. In addition, we need to work together to maintain our greatest advantage, which is our excellent customer service. This will take buying groups and purchasing alliances. It will take better financing options, programs that allow consumers to split up payments how they want while we bundle and add complementary products to increase our sales and margins. During COVID, our industry benefited from stay-at-home orders. 
Now we're way down the priority list while inflation and travel are at the top. So we need to make our financing options friendly and flexible for consumers. Finally, we need to inspire younger generations, recruit them into the industry, create new career paths, and offer more flexible schedules. Our future employees are out there, but we need to educate them by taking advantage of internships and working with local institutions to create hearth-related classes. We also need to remember that they're weighing out childcare options, rethinking their work-life balance, worrying about future shutdowns, and more. If we want our industry to thrive, now and in the future, then we have to help tomorrow's employees address these concerns today. Of course, working together while retaining our individual independence can be challenging, but it's vital that we share our experiences, statistics, and practices to emerge stronger than ever after COVID. So revisit your regional distributors. Communicate with your manufacturers. Join roundtables with non-direct competitors. Take trade show education courses. Explore new financing options and find creative ways to engage the next generation of employees. In short, share what you know with other industry professionals and listen openly to their ideas because we're all in the same boat and we all want it to keep sailing. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that audio article. I Man, I thought there was just a ton there and I've got about a page of notes from it, just a bullet points that I think were just amazing that Kevin brought up. You know, going through this in order... I mean, the market has changed and, and we really do need to adapt to a post-COVID business model. It's so funny. Like, I mean, this is kind of teeing up my hand a little bit for this upcoming edX event next week at the HPB Expo. But literally, this is this is exactly what my TED Talk is about. Um, I believe that we absolutely have to adapt to where the market is and what the market is telling us. And and Kevin just hits it on the head here. You know, right at the beginning, he talks about how gone are the days of shopping malls and of lines of qualified employees and of, of storefronts for, for absolutely everything. I mean, that that's not going to come back. I mean, if you're in an area where, you know, the, the mall is still a thing, I would say that is the exception that proves the rule uh, rather than the norm. And we need to realize that that the market truly has shifted. During COVID, you know, businesses were very, very active in going out to find the consumer and make life easy for them. And I would argue that much of our industry has not done that, that we have continued to pump out the same business model, operate with the same sales funnel, and almost like hole up in our in our bunker and, and just quote unquote, wait for the world to get back to normal rather than realizing that it's actually a, a new world and we need to figure out how to live within it. You know, when, when he talked about how, how many retailers are flush with inventory, I've seen this all over the place that businesses have way too much inventory on hand. And, and truly like during, you know, the last year and a half, two years, really it was whoever had stock made sales. And so I, I don't, blame retailers a bit for being flush with inventory. I think that that was the wise move, but it doesn't change the fact that right now there is a lot of cash that's tied up in the warehouse, which means that there's you know less cash to operate the business and people are starting to get antsy. What do I do about this? I think that this just goes back to you know how we discussed sales process last week. I, I think that many companies have been content for, you know, especially the last three years, but truly for the last couple of decades, many companies have been content to merely play defense with their sales. 
And we have to learn how to play offense. That does not mean being pushy or slimy or a jerk. It does mean being persuasive and proactive. And when we can start playing offense, that allows us to be able to balance our inventory and not just have it be a dead weight. But man, if you've got a sales team that's merely complacent to write up orders and isn't actively pursuing sales, having all that inventory is really dangerous. So we have to be aware of that and and make sure that as a retailer, we are investing into our sales teams and, and giving them a path and a process to follow so that we can manage that inventory. You know, when he discussed that we need to understand, anticipate, and decide, you know, this is, this is amazing. And I would even change anticipate to observe, like, you know, there, there are things we can anticipate about where the market is going. I think step one is just simply observing that like the market has changed. And so we need to move to where the market is going if we want to continue to be relevant to the market. Now, again, if you don't want to be relevant to the market, you don't, you don't need to make that move. But if you do, we absolutely have to do that. And, and, and I think that there's a really good point in here about two-step distribution in particular that that with where things are going, demand not quite being as high, but consumer expectations being higher than ever because of companies like Uber and DoorDash and Amazon Prime that companies have gotten spoiled with over the last couple of years. We have to make sure as retailers that inventory is close, but likely not in your barn just to preserve cash and flexibility. And and while it is easy to say, well, we need the margin by buying direct, you know, there's pros and there's cons to that. If if you if you can keep that up, that's great. But it does it does limit you. And I think that there's a really healthy mix of buying direct and buying through distribution depending on your company and the size. But using distributors as an extended warehouse for you and letting them take on the risk of the inventory frees your company up to be more nimble and flexible. And yes, you know, you are giving up some margin points for that, but you know, that's only if you sell at MSRP, like, you know, in our industry, for most of our products, you can sell them at whatever price you need to, to make the money that your business needs to make. And I would say that, you know, more and more, I'm seeing the successful companies do exactly that. As he talked about the fact that that many stores are in the same position, and so, you know, particularly like big box stores, you are going to be seeing big discounts coming, and I think that we have seen a lot of those, and that's true for Hearth products and other products that big box stores sell. You know, they're in the same situation, just on a much bigger level, and again, that just speaks to the fact that our sales team really needs to be good, that when all things are equal, price is what makes the decision. So our job as a sales team is to show that all things are not equal, that when it comes to a professionally installed product, when it comes to getting a great warranty, when it comes to getting the support that people need and the service, that all things are not equal and that they should buy from our company if we're the best solution. And this cannot be done unless the sales team is being coached and poured into on a regular basis. You know, as the article closes out, I, I think that these these words are just so wise about working together with distributors, retailers, and manufacturers to try to control inventory. And even with manufacturers, having them consolidate, I, I think that is so incredibly pertinent right now that 
we do not need more products for manufacturers. We don't need another size of fireplace. We don't need another cool gimmicky trick. What we need is a consolidation and a simplification of the products that are available because Right now, it's chaos. There's just there's way too much available. Going back to how our products are unfamiliar for customers, and we need to make it easy for them to understand the value that we offer. And this is not to say in any way, shape, or form that innovation doesn't matter. But simply coming out with a new fireplace size or a new fireplace series because that's what everybody else is doing is not the ticket to standing out as a manufacturer. To end it. You know, we need to be smarter about advertising and using co-op. This is so true. And I'll just say, I mean, I've talked to actually a number of distributors pretty recently about co-op and, and I mean, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in co-op is being left on the table at many distributors because it's not getting used. And as a retailer, I'm thinking like, man, this is a pennies on the dollar marketing budget that you need to take advantage of. I would advise as a retailer to schedule a quarterly meeting with your sales rep from the distributors and the manufacturers that you offer strictly about co-op and decide how are we going to spend this. And if you're someone that hasn't purchased enough to take advantage of co-op, it may be worth consolidating your vendors to make sure that you are because this is a really, really important tool that you can use to grow yourself. And honestly, it grows the entire industry as well because it starts to put our products in front of consumers. So it's just a really, really good word. You know, as we go out, I I hope that in this article, it's made you think about how things are different. It's made you think about how you're going to deal with your inventory, how you're going to be speaking with distributors and manufacturers to make sure that we're all operating out of our strengths. And I, I hope it makes you think also about flexibility. We don't have many young people coming into the industry and there's a lot of reasons for that, but but I do think that what Kevin talked about with we need to rethink flexibility and you know things like childcare and taking time off. I, I I think that is the ticket for retention in the future is to create a workplace that's flexible. And obviously that doesn't mean that there's no rules or boundaries, but some of what we have thought was immovable. I think needs to flex and move if we are going to be relevant places for people to work. So, man, there's just a ton in here as I'm looking at these notes. Like you could go for a long time on each of these bullet points, but it's amazing that in just a you know pretty short five minute article, there's so much that Kevin was able to hit on. So I hope that you guys got a ton of value out of this and you have some things to think about for this week. My hope is that next week I can see you in person in Louisville, Kentucky during the HPB Expo that I get to meet you and talk with you at the edX event on Saturday night. But either way, we're going to be coming back next week with season 10 of the Firetime Podcast. And I am so stoked for you guys to hear this material. I think more than ever, we have to be talking about sales and process and management and leadership. And that is a uh, just a taste of what next season is going to cover. So hope you guys have an amazing week. We'll talk again very soon. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website, itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, 
and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. All in to burn.